Welcome to this podcast by Global Church. We are a church planting movement wanting to reach cities from here to everywhere, one to everyone. If you want to find out more information, check out our website on www.globalchurch.co.uk. Today we're, we're moving into the, the Christmas period. Today we're in, we're in Advent. If you, uh, if you go to um, the the Minster and the, the, the sort of Anglican churches, it's like the first Sunday in Advent, it's a big thing on, on, their, on the, that sort of church calendar. And you know, Advent is all about the wait and the hope. It's the build-up and the preparation for what God is about to do by sending his son into the world. You know, it, it's a busy time of year, we know that, it's the build-up to Christmas, it's a bit manic. It's time, hopefully though, when people will just maybe stop and think a little bit more about the reason for the season. You know, it's not just about watching Elf and Home Alone and Die Hard and all the other great Christmas movies. That's all part of it. It's, it's brilliant. But it's a time where people who don't normally go to church will go to church. You know, we've got ours coming up. Our, our, we've got one tomorrow for the students, which is going to be phenomenal. And we've got another one in a fortnight today. And every time we do these, we always get people coming who don't otherwise go to church. And that's brilliant. Do you know why? Because we're a church who are exactly defined and designed for people who don't like going to church, who don't normally go to church. We're a church that is far more famous in the city than in the church world. And that is brilliant. It's it's good to be known in the church world, even better to be known by the non-church world. That's what we're aiming for. So today I'm going to speak about some stuff, and I, I think if you've been in the church a while, you, you all know it, or you should all know it, it's, but it's just so, get that, I know that you probably know this, but it's, it's a reminder, it's a, like a refresh because we're hitting peak season for, for the church. It's good to, rem- to remind ourselves of what we're here for. If you're a Christian, we need to know what are we here for. So the scripture just to start off is in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 19 and 20. And it says, for God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them, and he gave us this message, wonderful message of reconciliation. So we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us, through me and, th- and through you. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. For God made Christ who never sinned to be the offering for our sin, so that we could be made right with God through Christ. So today's talk is called Christ's Ambassadors. Everyone remember the Ferrero Rocher advert? Ambassador, you are spoiling us. That's what we are. We're Christ's ambassadors. And let me just start off with something that you probably know. There's two main reasons why people don't become Christians. The first one is they've never met a Christian. The second one is they have met a Christian. They met a real-life, living, breathing Christian. And you know what? They looked, and they saw, and they said, you're all right. I don't, if that's what you've got, I don't want that. Some some Christians, I said said Christians, (laughs) some Christians don't represent so well. They misrepresent. You know, the Bible says in that passage that we are here to be Christ's ambassadors. We are here to represent him, not just a bit of him, but all of him. We're called to be diplomats, and that's not always a popular world in this day. But if we're going to be ambassadors, then we're going to have to be diplomats and be diplomatic. So, what is an ambassador? 
Well, a dip, uh, the dictionary says it's a diplomat of the highest rank, permanently appointed by a government, head of state, sovereign, etc. Should have taken that out. To act on their behalf or to be their official represent representative in some foreign country, state, or a representative, messenger, or agent. An ambassador is someone who is a person sent out on a mission to build relationships. The job of, of an ambassador is to represent someone or something. Everything they do and, says and say must be intentionally. It must be intentionally to represent a leader who isn't physically there. Do you know what? An ambassador, they're not limited by 40 hours a week to certain events or to times of international crisis. An ambassador is always on call, always represented, in our case, the Queen, ultimately, as, as, as British people. It's not a job, it's a lifestyle. So today I just want to look at the roles and responsibilities of being an ambassador. You all right with that? Yeah. Brilliant. So number one, you work away from home. If you're an ambassador, you work in another country. We all know you can't be the UK ambassador in the UK, to the UK, yeah? You work overseas. It's the same for us as Christ's ambassadors. We can't be Christ's ambassadors just within the church. Do you know why? Because that's our home ground. We've got to go away. We need to go to the away ground. Not necessarily overseas, probably not overseas, but outside our church world, in the real world, in our workplaces, in the pubs, in the clubs, the sports clubs, the, the houses. That's the away ground. It's basically wherever it's not the church. That's where we've got to be. So that's number one. You work away from home. Number two is this. You're sent on a mission. The Great Commission that Jesus said in Matthew 28. He said this. Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go. He's sending and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. And be sure of this. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Now, ambassadors are chosen and sent. You don't just decide that, you know what, I'm going to pack my bag tomorrow, I'm going to fly to Rio, and I've decided that I like Brazil looks good, I'm going to be the UK ambassador to Brazil. <laughs> Can't just decide that. I'm British, I'll do. I'm the, I'm the representative. No, 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 no. You get sent by the government. Ultimately, you get sent by the Queen. You're handpicked for a specific mission. You're sent on a mission to represent your country and to represent your leaders. And that's the same with us. We're sent on a mission too, a mission from God. This is the King of Kings, not just our Queen, she's amazing, but above that, the King of Kings. Do you know, like, we, I put the Ferrero Rocher thing up and we can think about the ambassador's life about, you know, it's, it's the, it is the Ferrero Rochers, it is the drinks parties, it is the wine and dining and the meets and greets, and I'm sure that's, uh, that's part of it. But you know, they're not generally there to see the sights. They're there because they're on a mission. That ambassador that got sent to Afghanistan, the ambassador that gets sent to Iraq, the places where we're probably not putting our hands up, it's not like we're going, I'll go there, Afghanistan. No, um, yeah, that's where the best ones get sent. They have a mission to help rebuild that country. But of all the missions there are in the world, we, do you know this, that we have got the most important one that there is, and that is to help bring, pre, help bring people to know God. Because as important as everything is on earth, and it is, we're here, 
We're temporary residents. We're only here for 60, 80, 90 plus years. We're not here for long in the grand scheme of things, but we are in eternity forever. And so we've got a mission to try and help as many other people as we can be there with us, yeah? And just so you know, it, I, I say this, and I know that you know it, but it's a reminder thinking it's for everyone as well. You know, if you're a Christian here today, then these instructions are for you, they're for me, they're for all of us. Because sometimes it's nice to think that when Paul wrote this letter, he was just writing it for certain people. But he's not just writing it to, like, the Bible college people that are going to be pastors and leaders. This is the letter directed to everyone that's a Christian, no matter whether you're a business person or school teacher or you work in in an office or a student or, or whatever it is. It's everyone, everywhere, all the time. We've been sent on a mission. So number two, you've been sent. Number three, oh, this is a difficult one. You represent someone else. Ouch. <laughs> Ambassadors represent their country, their leaders. Now, I, I work uh, for the Environment Agency, and when I, g- I get sent out as a, a flood ambassador, we call it sometimes, when people's houses have been flooded and we, and we go out and we meet people that have been flooded, and guess what? They're not that happy to see us because their house has just been flooded. Um, uh, they, they might have lost uh, belongings. I have to represent the organization that I work for. It's not my opinion that matters. I'm not there representing myself. I'm representing my organization. And ultimately, I'm representing um, right the way up to the top of the tree and, and our government. As Christians, we represent Christ. We represent Christ more than... We represent our church, but above that, we represent Christ. It's not our own unique, world-famous opinions. Do you know what? You don't have to have an opinion on everything. It's absolutely fine not to have, to have an opinion on everything. But we, we have to remember that we don't represent ourselves. Number four, we're messengers. In 2 Corinthians 5, it says, we are Christ's representatives. This is in the message version. It says, God uses us to persuade men and women to drop their differences and enter into God's work for making things right between them. We're speaking for Christ himself now. Wow. Become friends with God because he's already a friend with you. We're speaking for Christ. It's not our message, it's his message. So if we're a messenger, guess what? We can't have a personal agenda. If you're an ambassador, you can't go in there with a personal agenda. If you go in with a personal agenda, guess what? They're going to take you home. We've got to relay the messages that we've been sent because it's not our message, it's somebody else's. Number five, you're not here to start a war. We're there to build peace. We're not there to burn bridges, but to build bridges. To tear down walls, not build them. You know, ambassadors are sent into difficult situations. They're sent to build relationships. And as Christ's ambassadors, we've been sent to reconcile people to God. So that passage in Scripture says, God uses us to persuade men and women to drop their differences and enter into God's work of making things right between them. I'll ask you a question. Did, did you ever receive Valentine's cards when you were young? And when I ask this question, I don't mean from your mum or from your nan. You know, obviously, I received many. <laughs> That's not a surprise. You know, in fact, I have to say this. Once the postman broke his back delivering to my house on Valentine's Day. <laughs> Slipped on the ice. <laughs> it's, <good. laughs> it's not true. <laughs> but to actually, what is true is my birthday is the day after Valentine's Day. So I'd see all these many cards arrive and just think, well, 
And I think, my mum wants to absolutely can't open because the birthday cards ruin it. And to be honest, they were probably birthday cards. <laughs> but there was a couple of shaky cards in there, you know, a bit of check or something in it, so all good. But a Valentine card, if you, you get them, you can tell it, it's good news, right? It might be like the really oversized envelope. It might be pink. It might have some stuff on, like stickers on it or, or, or whatever. You know, Chance, uh, she used to, uh, when we didn't, we lived in, I lived here, she lived in Bradford, and occasionally we'd, we'd send cards and stuff to each other, and we do it, we still do it at anniversaries and stuff like that, but she'd always write something like, open with a smile on the back of the envelope and do little doodles and stuff like that, and when you saw that, you think, this is good news, this is good news coming, I'm going to like what I'm going to read in this card, yeah, it's, it's, it's going to be good. And then mostly today I just receive bills and junk mail and like, you know, have you considered this, how, how your house could fall down or all this sort of stuff and all the scaremongering that everyone tries to send out to you. And you can tell that that's not good news. You look at it and you think, yeah. the half of them don't even open anymore because you just think, it's just, it's not good news. It's not going to benefit me reading this. You know, brown envelopes rarely have good news in, hey. <laughs> you, might, you might get the odd claim back from the government or something, but... Generally, it's not. It's, it's just sort of bad, but you can see when you get the Valentine's cards, those, those love letters or birthday cards or whatever it is, it's good news. And here's the thing. We are Christ's love letter. And it sounds a bit fancy and a bit girly, but no, it's true that we need to be the love letters in the world, not the bills in the world. So how do, what, what do I mean by that? It's like, well, how do we walk into a room? How do we walk into work? Do we walk in with a brightness and an air of happiness or do we walk in with the weight of the world on our shoulders do we walk in with that look that just says everyone just already knows to keep away from you because i do it i've fallen but it needs to remind myself I'm like no 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 there's a bigger picture out here it's not about me you know luke chapter 15 it's a story about the the parable of the prodigal son and jesus tells this story about a man who had two sons the younger son wanted his inheritance early he took it and he fled and he wasted it while the older one stayed back with his dad. And I thought about this question of what, when the, what if when the younger son came back, he didn't run into his dad first, who was out there looking for him, but he'd run into his selfish older brother first, who wasn't so welcoming. What would have happened? How would that story have developed? Would he even have got home? Would he have just met his brother and his brother's like, mate, what, you're an idiot, go away. Can't believe you wrecked all this vented that in and he, he would never have come home and his dad would never have seen him come home what would have happened you know Jesus was a real people person he had style he had charisma he's God almighty he could have been so full of judgment for other people but he wasn't in fact he was totally attractive to people not everyone liked him but the people that generally didn't like him were the tight religious people Normal people generally did like him. I want to say that let's not be like the older brother. Let's make it easy for people to come back to God this Christmas. The, the younger brother in the story, it says that he'd already decided to come home. The Bible says that he'd come to his senses. He was, he was away from home. He'd come to his senses that he needed to go back home to his dad. And the Bible says that his, that his dad was already out looking for him. I'll pick it up in, in, chapter, in verse 20 when it says... When he was still a long way off, his father saw him. 
listened to dad, his heart pounding. He ran out, embraced him, and kissed him. The son started his speech. Father, I've sinned against God. I've sinned before you. I don't deserve to be called your son ever again. But the father wasn't listening. He was calling to the servants, quick, bring a clean set of clothes and dress him. Put the family ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Then get a grain-fed heifer and roast it. Sounds good. We're going to feast. We're going to have a wonderful time. My son is here, given up for dead and now alive, given up for lost and now found. How many people in our lives that we've given up for lost? They began to have a wonderful time. All this time, his older son was out in the field, and when the day's work was done, he came in. As he approached the house, he heard the music and the dancing. Sounds like a good party if you can hear music and dancing, yeah? Calling over one of the houseboys, he asked what was going on. He told him, your brother came home. Your father has ordered a feast. Barbecued beef, because he was home and safe. The older brother stalked off in an angry sulk and refused to join in. His father came out and tried to talk to him, but he wouldn't listen. The son said, look, look how many years I've stayed here serving you, never giving you one moment of grief, but have you ever thrown a party for me and my friends? Then this son of yours, who has thrown away your money on whores, shows up and you go out, all out with a feast. Pretty mad. And his father said, son, you don't understand. You're with me all the time. And everything that is mine is yours. But this is a wonderful time and we had to celebrate. This brother of yours was dead and he's alive. He was lost and he's found. It's powerful. That's, that's what God's wanting to do. He's wanting to celebrate people coming back. And, and we've got to be the welcoming party for that. Now, some of the things about the, the older brother that we can learn about ourselves is the older brother was loyal. It's not that he's bad. But he's missed something. He didn't really care about his brother. He wanted to make the most of what he'd been given by his father. He wanted to be a good steward working on that. That's not a bad thing at all. But he's become so focused on the program of what he's doing, he's missed the people. And that can happen to us too. He's so focused on building up his world and his empire that he's missed the bigger picture that his brother, who was assumed dead has come home, and his father is delighted. The father in this parable is God. If you didn't know that, it's God. And, and that God is so pleased that people come back to him that he's out there looking for people. But if we, here's the thing. If we're not careful, we can be that older brother. We can just slip into that, and we concentrate on building our own four walls rather than missing the bigger picture of what's happening outside. You know, there's a, um, a song by Mumford and Sons, which I love, which is all about this story, and it sums it up so well for what it means for all of us. And it's called Roll Away Your Stone. And one of the verses, it just says this. It says, it seems that all my bridges have been burned, but you say that's exactly how this grace thing works. It's not the long walk home that will change this heart, but the welcome I receive with every start. That's what it's like to be an ambassador of Christ. We're the ones that say, that's grace, it's fine. We're here to welcome you back. We're just glad that you're here. You know, Jesus said, I've come to seek and save that which was lost. He's the good shepherd that he leaves the 99 to go and find the one that was lost. And at this time of year, especially when there's so much going on, it's so easy to be distracted, to be tired. It's dark, it's cold, it's wet, it's windy, and we lose track of what our mission is. 
We get caught up in the program of Christmas so much that we forget about the people. And we can have the best program ever, but if there's no one there, it's pretty pointless. Every year, and we're going to do this again this year, we go out and we flyer in the city. We put posters up. We invite people to our Christmas carol services. And it's important that we invite them because Christmas is, as I said, that time of year, we know that people are more likely to come to church than, than maybe they would otherwise. But we don't just stop there with the flyers. We don't just do the flyers and go, right, that's it, done. We've flied it. Sit, let's sit on our hands now and just wait. Now we have to bring friends and bring our families and bring our colleagues with us and make sure they're there as well. But I wonder if you've ever done this, like me, if you've ever fallen, because I've, I've done this loads, and it's not good, but <laughs> it's good to clock it. You fall in the trap of only ever contacting friends when you've got something to invite them to at church. Because it's no bad thing to invite them. It's a good thing. But do you know what we have in our values? Relational. Relational. There's a reason why we've got it in our values, because it's who we are. We want to build relationships with people. I know that in the past I've made the mistakes of not being relational, and I'll just drop a text or a Facebook invite to people to invite them to something we're doing, and then I won't be around to meet up with them for what they're doing, or just catching up with them, because I've got so caught up in my own program of my own life that I didn't have space for them in my life. And so maybe you've got people you're inviting to Christmas that you've not seen in a while. And maybe you're sitting here going, thinking, oh, maybe I shouldn't invite them. No, no, no. Definitely invite them. Definitely invite them. But if you are thinking, maybe I haven't seen them so much and it's a bit out of the blue, maybe use Christmas as the launch pad to start building that relationship up with them and start getting into a relational relationship with people. Because hopefully they'll come to Christmas. And if they come to Christmas, do you know what? We do it brilliantly. It's a brilliant message. It's a timeless Christmas story. It's there for everyone. Hopefully they're going to love it. So we need a what's next. Where do they go from there? They need to be in relationship. So it's important just to build on those relationships. Another thing about the, the older brother, it says in verse 28 that the older brother was, was angry and he stalked off in a huff when he found out what was going on. And none of us have ever done that. I'm sure. And as, as Christians, and, and it's, this is the great thing about our church, because it's not our church, generally. We're really good at this. This is why Dave and Shelley have got a, a vision to, to be with people who don't know God. But generally, and I don't want to be too harsh about it, but let, let's paint it like it is, Christians are, are, are really well known, not what we're for, but for what we're against. <laughs> if you went up today in Parliament Street and asked one of the hundreds of shoppers there, you know, about what's it like, what's, what's a Christian, then I reckon you're probably more likely to get the negatives and the positives. It's probably not that we're going to heaven. It's probably not that we represent a God of unconditional love and forgiveness. No, it's you don't swear, you don't drink, you don't do that, you don't do that, you don't do that. And we become so focused on the things that we are against, don't we? And that's what people are going to perceive us as. That you think of the, the helpful people in the Westboro Baptist Church who stand outside all those funerals in America or, or picket all the other stuff. And you think, oh, it's just so bad that in terms of paints a picture of that represents God. That doesn't represent a God of, of unconditional love. And, and don't get me wrong, it's good to take a stand against stuff. You know, there, there's some things that it's good to take a stand against. But we're not supposed to be party poopers all the time. You know, Jesus said, I've come that you shall have life, and life in all its fullness. 
Do you know the gospel? It's not a revelation about what is wrong with us or wrong with the world. It's a revelation about what is right with God. The Holy Spirit is not here to condemn me. He's not here to condemn you. I'm so good at doing that by myself. The Holy Spirit is there to lift us up. The Holy Spirit doesn't operate in condemnation, so neither should we. You know, I love this saying. This is for someone this morning. It said, you can't bring the good news mad. You can only bring the good news glad. God didn't demonstrate his love and power by taking a stand or protesting with a little placard. He did it by sending his son to join us. And I want to suggest that this morning, we need to become like God. We actually need to become human. Not to be detached robots, but to become human. Be relational with people. You know, in, in the parable in Luke chapter 15, people were questioning Jesus because he was hanging around with sinners. It says that by this time, a lot of, a lot of men and women of doubtful reputation were hanging around Jesus, listening intently. The Pharisees and the religious scholars were not pleased. They were not at all pleased. They growled. He takes in sinners and eats meals with them, treating them like old friends. So Jesus is not just a man of God. He is the man of God. If you want to get into holy levels of how holy someone is, he's super holy. He's top of the, he's top of the tree. But that holiness didn't repel people. It attracted people. It attracted notorious sinners. People, as the text says, people of doubtful reputation. It's a bit vague, but these are people that are not well thought of by the, the, the Pharisees. And a question for us all to ask ourselves is this. As we come into this Christmas, are we attracting people with our life or are we repelling people? And, it, and it's a strong question, but we have to look at it and think, how, how do we carry out ourselves? Because... We, I don't want to come here and condemn anyone. I just want to, I, I'm going through this myself and I, I've asked myself these questions. But I have to look at my life and thinking, am I living an attractive life? Do I represent, and I am, am I an ambassador for Christ? And I think, yeah, some of the time, but definitely not all the time. And I need to change that. And that's what I want to work on. Because we need to have a heart for people. The older brother, he's totally unattractive in what he says. And we've got that, call that instruction to be attractive because we're ambassadors people will read us not the bible so if we're boring god becomes boring we are here to make god famous we're his messengers we're here to make the invisible visible and sometimes we can come and we become christians we come into church and we become also quiet and peaceful and and again it's not our church like we we are the party church it's brilliant But did you know this? Jesus didn't come to die for your personality to go, for you to become a boring, stuck in the mud, never going anywhere, just sitting in your own little four walls, Christian. Jesus came to die for your sins. God gave you a personality. For God's sake, go and use your personality in the community, out where you are, make connections with people. Let your personality flourish. You are who you are and so often and especially I, we can come into watching and I fall into that trap you can watch stuff and some stuff on TV or Christian stuff and you think I've just got to be like them and I've got to come into this Christian silence like no 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 you are unique every one of us is unique we've got a mission to reach people and we've got a, a mission to be out there with people the older brother he was religious instead of real we've got to be real 
another one of our values. The older brother, he said, look how many years I've stayed here serving you, never giving you one moment of grief. And we all know that that's not true. We're going, yeah, of course you have, mate. But the thing is, he's believed it. Because we know that we believe things like that too when we get in those moments. Say, I've never done anything. Go to our parents. I've never done anything. My sister's always the bad one. Like my other sister, she was always the bad one. I was always good. And then you look at my parents and think, yeah. Yeah. Because we're so blind to it. Someone said at our dinner party this last week, we judge ourselves by our intentions and everyone else by their actions. And that's so true. We give ourselves the benefit of the doubt. And one of the things I love about Dave and Shelley and, the, and our church is, is that generally we are pretty real. But we can struggle to admit to stuff. And we're all trying to keep up with the Joneses and keep up with the social media Joneses. And, and it, social media doesn't help Instagram. You know, I love Instagram. But we have our immaculate houses and our immaculate this and our immaculate that and everything is just so and we place it and we spend so long doing it and we spend so long filming what's going on that we actually miss the actual thing that's going on in front of us and then we'll go and watch it back on your Samsung later and it's good but it's not the real thing because we, we, we get and it's not it's false it's all false it's not real you know what if we keep on putting this false and stuff it can't last when you're in a community it comes out and that's good that's why our values we've got real in our values it's not a negative real, because sometimes I just want to be real, and it's like, that means negative. No, we mean real, as in real, as in real life. So I've got a final point for you, and it's this. To be an ambassador, it's work. But you know what? It's worth it. It might be hard work, because being an ambassador is more than a job. My chief executive at, at work, before he became our chief executive, he was the high commissioner to India and, and basically he was the ambassador to India because apparently if you're a commonwealth country they call them high commissioners not ambassadors and you know I've met him a few times and he's really good you see how good he is with people his, his interpersonal skills are very good and he was talking a bit about his previous role once at one of the things I was at and he said the things that he said was do you know what it's not a job I'm always on duty I'm always the ambassador. If I go out for a meal in a restaurant, I'm the ambassador. He's never not off duty. And we can think about what it must be like to be President Trump or Theresa May or all these other people, the royal family, where they're always on duty. It's tiring. And people will look at him and say, what's he eating and what was he like and, and, and all that sort of stuff. And it's the same for us, that people will read us. People are going to look at us. People are, people are going to look at how we deal with the things in our own lives. How do we handle stuff? Because we're Christians. So how do we do with it? So we're always on duty too. So that is hard work. But again, it's not just a job. It's more than a job. It's a lifestyle and it's a mission that we're on. You know, being an ambassador is busy work. And maybe you think you can't do this all by yourself. And I've got good news for you. You can't. <laughs> but here's the even better news. God is with you. Jesus said in Matthew 28, verse 20, and be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So just as I finish, the question is, so how do we become Christ's ambassadors? Well, really, we already are, but maybe we need to grow into the role a bit more. And I read about a former UK ambassador to the US, 
and it said that he entertained 35,000 people in his home every year. That's a lot of handshakes. <laughs> so even more food and drink. And for us in our homes, we have dinner parties, we have parties, welcoming people. Let's stock our cupboards up with food and drink to entertain people at our house. Or maybe it's going out and meeting people in town, in the pubs, in the coffee shops, or whatever it is where the people that you're connecting with are. You know, it will cost money. It doesn't have to cost loads, but it's worth thinking about switching mentalities. If, you're like, if you can be like me and think, I can't afford it. Instead of actually thinking, now how can I, how can I afford it? Instead of, I can't afford it. Maybe it's an idea you, you treat yourself to a Christmas present every year. And maybe this year, that Christmas present isn't for yourself, but it's stuck in your drinks cabinet. Maybe that Christmas present is stuck in your fridge. Maybe that Christmas present is putting some money into the work Christmas party. Maybe, that, or maybe it's not financial, you're just making cakes or whatever it is to take. You know, Kirsty said it just before, but we've, we've had three amazing birthday parties. Is it three? We have four, three or four. Yeah. Kids team have been fantastic putting these things on. And we've had parents who have never ever come to our church before asking if we do one for their kids. And do you know what our answer is? Yes, of course we will. And do you know why? Because we're Christ's ambassadors. We've got a mission to bring people closer to God. And that's what we're doing when we do a birthday party. We're celebrating the kids. It's brilliant to celebrate the kids and the parties, but also we're bringing people closer to God. What a fantastic mission. You know, and, and just, I said I finished twice, but I will finish this time, I promise. As we kick off December and Christmas takes off, I just want to, the reason for speaking this today was just reminding ourselves of our mission. I don't stand here pretending to be past the post on any of this by any respect. I can thought these are tests that like we've just gone through that are going to come back round us and test us. Financial tests, kind of motivational tests to go out, it's dark and cold. I just want to do my own thing. But I want to say this December and beyond, let's commit. Let's go for it. You know, this is not a season for shrinking back. This is peak season. It's for advancing. And we have a brilliant opportunity to make a difference to people's lives. Not just people's lives, but people's families, people's work colleagues, people's eternity, where they're going to spend the rest of forever we have an opportunity to be that person. Just to leave you with a final thought is that for some of you, you might be the only Christian that someone knows. So, what are you going to do about that? How are you going to try and bring people closer to God? What an amazing opportunity. What an amazing mission it is. Full stop. There is no bigger mission than this. Going to the moon is awesome, but it's not as big and as great as a mission of bringing people closer to God. And we are part of it. What an amazing thing. What an amazing opportunity that we are all ambassadors for Christ. And you think, well, it sounds a bit burdened. No, it is a burden, but it's a great burden to carry. That we have got the opportunity to, to connect people to the God Almighty. Someone, every one of us, was connected to God by someone else. Someone introduced us. And we all need to just do the same thing. It's that life relay race of just passing that button on and on and on and on and on. 
From the team here at Global Church, thank you for listening to this podcast. Please check out our other messages available on the website.